Coming live from Auckland, New Zealand is our guest this morning. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you are watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Deborah Chantry Taylor, podcast host, a family business advisor, leadership, and entrepreneurial business coach, and a professional US implementer. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you very much. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. Same year, same year. So we'll be talking about, you know, how to live the ideal entrepreneurial life and better business, better life. Yes. So in your understanding, you stay in such a lovely place, Auckland in New Zealand. And New Zealand is, is known as a place which has a bit of, you know, relatively better quality of life worldwide. Now, their entrepreneurship, how does one look at an ideal entrepreneurship an ideal life with entrepreneurship down there because uh, there, there the life is already quite good. <laughs> and what one may look, be looking at things here in India or anywhere else, uh, those things are already available in that part of the world. So how does an entrepreneur look at an ideal life down there? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I think the key thing is no matter where you are in the world, we tend to go into business with this hopes and dreams of having lots of more free time, earning lots of money. Uh, we're very passionate about what we do and we have all these expectations that running our own business will make things a whole lot easier. Um, and often that's not the case because we end up getting really engrossed in the day-to-day -day running of the business. We find ourselves actually working longer hours. We're not earning the money we were expecting. Uh, we're, we're really just too tied up in the business and so you can live anywhere in the world it could be the most beautiful place in the world like Auckland but if you haven't got the time to actually pursue other passions if you're not being compensated appropriately if you're not doing what you love day in day out with people that you love and you're not making a difference in the world then that's not really an ideal entrepreneurial life so to my mind it's about being very very clear about what it is you really want from your life and making sure you build your entrepreneurial business and life to actually support that right Right. Now, Deborah, if you see, you have worked with over 600 business owners and their leadership teams. You have led teams of hundreds yourself, and you yeah. are recognized as a leading businesswoman as well as one of the top business and leadership coaches in New Zealand. And you have received several awards for this. Now, to understand from you, uh, you see a lot of entrepreneurs, there are small business owners. Uh, why is it that they move away from an ideal life which is a very balanced life and then a person like you have to come in and tell them to go and lead an ideal life why is it so is it is it for more business growth is it self-satisfaction what sort of a thing are they looking at because if you if you look at it an entrepreneur who has a small business can be continuing to do small business but then the pressure of scaling up is always mm -hmm. there so it all depends on you whether you want to take that pressure of scaling up or not. Or you can be happy in your own sphere of things like thousands and thousands of businesses are there. How do you look at this part of life from a business owner's perspective? Because you have worked with so many of them. 
Yeah. So I think, first of all, uh, there's, a, there's a misconception that as you scale up a business, it becomes more difficult and more time consuming. But in actual fact, it's usually the opposite. If you can scale your business in an effective way, it actually frees you up to do more of the stuff you really enjoy. And it frees you up to have more time to do other things as well outside of work. And so often people think, oh, by bringing on staff, by bringing on more people, um, we're going to have you know more stress, more time in the business. And that's not necessarily true. But the reality is, You've got to make the decision. Do you want to have a business where you have other people with you, working with you, or do you want to work on your own? That's a very personal choice. Um, For me, I believe that if you can actually scale up correctly, it actually gives you, as I said, that chance to go back to doing what you really love, what you're really passionate about, and have other people to execute on the other parts of the business. So the first question is, how, how big do I want this to be? Do I want to work on my own, or do I actually want to be surrounded by a team of people? Okay, okay. So, is it is it possible that a business owner can lead a big business and still live stress free? Yes or no? If yes, then how? Because stress is one big factor. I've got personal friends who are business owners, and very few of them are without stress. Yes. Why is it so? Why is it so? So I think the answer to your first question is yes, absolutely. You can definitely run a very large business and have a completely stress-free and ideal life. And in fact, as I said, as you grow, usually there's more opportunity to do that. The challenge is that most entrepreneurs don't want to let go. They want to keep themselves completely involved in every single part of the business and they really struggle to let go. So to my mind, if you can actually achieve kind of three things, you can learn to let go of the business and therefore you can kind of delegate and elevate yourself out of the day-to-day running of the business and get back into doing the stuff that you want to do, which then frees you up with time. So those three things, to my mind, are first of all, if you're going to have staff, they need to be really, really clear about where you're headed, what the vision for the business is. So we talk about, you know, how do we make sure we know what the vision is, everybody understands what the vision is, why do we exist, who do we serve, what are we doing it for, Um, you know, who is our ideal target market, how do we ensure that we actually um, deliver to them. And then once we've got that clarity on the vision, everybody understands that, how does their role play into that? That's the first part. So if you've got people, the biggest challenge we have as entrepreneurs, we don't really articulate this really clearly. We might have it all in our heads and we know exactly what we want, but we haven't told the rest of our team. So let's get that vision out, get it down on paper, get people understanding how they fit into that vision. And you're already streets ahead of where most businesses would be. The second part is around then making sure you've got traction. So how do you make sure that you've got a plan in place to actually achieve that vision? How do you have the discipline, the accountability to ensure that all the people know what they're doing, how they're being measured, make sure they're being held accountable. They have that discipline, the the weekly meetings, those sort of things to keep them on track. And then um, finally, you want the right people in the right seat. So you have this healthy team that is doing the stuff that they are really, really good at and can actually work together for the greater good. And if you can get those three things, the vision, the traction, the healthy in place, you'll finally be able to let go because you know you've got people who are being measured on the right things. They know how they fit into the bigger picture. They've got the discipline and the accountability to actually execute and they're going to help hold themselves accountable. So then you can actually go, right, I actually know that person is the right person in the right seat, doing the right thing. They've got their measurables. They've got their accountability. I don't have to worry about it anymore. But it's a challenge because it's not a natural thing for us as entrepreneurs. We still want to keep putting our fingers back into the pie and and still have some kind of involvement in it, whereas we don't need to. Allow people to do what they are really good at so that you can do what you're really good at. 
Right, right, Debra. Now you said yes, this is possible, and you also said how. But yes. then, uh, is it as simple as it as it sounds? Now you said let go. Let yes. go to whom? To bring in a new CEO or to let go to automation? How does it work here? If suppose an entrepreneur who is happy with the way things are going, yes, and he is scaling up gradually, but still wants more time for himself or herself. Mm-hmm. Then what is the first thing that they can start doing? Let go to whom? And some people may look very competent. You blame and and let go to those people or to machines or uh, by automation. But then go where? Yep. Should you should you be still sitting there or should be should you be going to Hawaii? Very well. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go to Hawaii, absolutely. But I think that most of us, we don't want to give up our business. We go into business because we love business. And so we don't want to necessarily give it up. But it is about doing the right things. What is the stuff that you really love and are really great at? Where do you add the most value to the business? So you might say that actually, you know, running the business day to day is not my thing. But I'm really good at big relationships. I'm really good at big ideas. I'm really good at, you know, sort of bringing business into the door, holding the culture together. And that makes me the vision but I'm no good at running the business. So I need somebody who can actually run the business for me. So my first hire might be somebody who's an integrator who can come in and actually run the day-to-day business. But it, you know, different structures for different organizations. The key thing is getting a real sense of all the stuff that you do in the business and working out what you are good at, what you love, what's the stuff you're not so good at and you don't love. And then there's a, a number of ways of getting rid of that stuff. So you can delegate that out. You can either employ somebody internally You could outsource it to somebody um, overseas or in a different organization, or you can actually use AI. So you can say, actually, this is a really kind of simple thing that needs to be done on an ongoing basis. This can be done by AI. So it comes down to being very, very clear about where you add the most value. And and I use a very simple example. It's like um, if you think about house cleaning, um, turns out I'm very, very good at house cleaning. Um, I'm half German. I'm very, very good at making sure the house is always cleaned to you know, an absolute immaculate standard. But I don't enjoy it. And so I spend all this time when I'm house cleaning, whinging about how much I hate it. I, I think about how much time I spend actually doing that. I can employ a house cleaner who would basically get paid a fraction of what I can earn in my business. And they might actually enjoy it for a start. They're going to be paid a whole lot less. And it gives me three or four hours a week extra where I can go and do the high value stuff. And business is exactly the same. You should be going, where do I actually add the most value? You shouldn't be doing $25 an hour work in New Zealand dollars or whatever the, the magic number is you know, in your part of the world. But looking at where is the high value stuff where I really add value, that's where you should spend your time and delegate and let go to other people, to AI, to outsourcing, whatever it might be. But stop doing that work. It isn't, it isn't helping you. Right, right. Now, uh, Deborah, let's look at it this way. One is a person who is a first-time entrepreneur. You have built something and you are yep. scaling up in your own at your own pace. But what about family business? It is much more difficult to let go there. You have had a family business. You yes. built it. You lost it. You again built it. And you are an entrepreneur yourself. You are a woman of lots of achievements in different aspects. You have rebuilt your life after loss of several things in your life. Now, yep. how do you look at family business people don't want to let go of you know the control of things or the running of things of family businesses uh, how do you look at that what would you tell people who are 
managing family businesses, maybe not big ones, but even yep. smaller ones, and are not able to then even take time off for their personal lives, what would you like to tell them? Sure. So, I mean, my family business was pretty simple. There wasn't huge numbers of family members involved, but I worked with family businesses as an accredited family business advisor. And often there'll be generations of family in the business and there'll be the the father and the mother and the son and the daughter and the auntie and the uncle. And I say the same thing as I would to any other business. We want the people in the business to be the right people. So they share our core values, which generally family do, but we need to have them in the right seats too. So what is the role where they actually add the most value to the business. So design the structure of the business and say, what are the main functions that we need? And then make sure that those family members are actually doing jobs where they add real value. Because often you'll find that a family member will be given a job just because they happen to be there, because they happen to have been there from the beginning. And maybe in the beginning it was good. But as the business starts to grow, the best thing you can do is make sure that they're actually in the right seat, that they're doing the right role, that they're adding real value to it. Because I tell you what, from a, from a family perspective, when you've got people who are doing what they love in the business, it makes the outside family life a whole lot better too. There's nothing worse than a wife who is working alongside her husband and she's doing the stuff because it's the stuff the husband doesn't want to do, but she doesn't even really enjoy it either. In that situation, you need to go, right, what is the role she can really add value in here? What are the roles that we require? Put her into one of those roles and get somebody else into the stuff that she's not enjoying. Because what that will do is it will make her a lot happier in her role, um, her or him. I mean, I'm not I'm not picking particularly on, on the wives. It could be the husbands. So they're both doing what they truly, truly love and they're adding value. And then they don't take all that tension and frustration and everything home with them as well. Um, and another thing I see quite regularly is, you know, you've got sons and daughters who get put into the business because they are a son or a daughter. There's nothing wrong with that, but they have to be in a role that they can actually do. You know, do they actually get what the role is about? Do they really want it? We want people who want to do their roles. And do they actually have the, the capacity or capability to actually do it? Do they have the right skills, the right experience? Like, don't just put your son in a role or your daughter in a role because she's there. Make sure that they actually have the right um, knowledge, experience, that kind of thing to actually do that role. It just makes for a much, much happier family. And it makes for a much stronger business going forward as well. Right, Deborah. Right. Well, well put. Now, since you work with so many business owners, entrepreneurs, yes. how deep is the fear of failure in them? Is it the reason that they don't want to, you know, just leave everything to somebody else? Or is it, is it something else? Mm -hmm. What is it? And how, how do they view failure? Because you see, every business will not be as you plan out. Every yep. business will see the uh, the vagaries of time, the difficulties of time, mm -hmm. recession or anything else, or maybe the business idea is not that great in the longer run, whatever it is. But what is the way the different people view failure with the type of people you interact with? Yeah. So I think the thing as entrepreneurs, and don't forget, I've had a couple of business failures myself, is that we we are really passionate about what we do. And sometimes we can't be truly objective about the business either. And so, yes, there's that fear of failure. I must admit, personally, my first couple of business failures, it was, you know, I didn't want anybody to think that I didn't know how to run a business. So I just kept going at it thinking, I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. Um, I realized later in life that actually asking for help is not a weakness. Asking for help is one of the best things you can possibly do because we can't 
can't possibly know everything. And actually asking somebody outside for some objective help is actually can be a really powerful thing. The second thing is, you know, we, we, we've often put a lot of investment of time, of money, um, of experience into this business. It's our baby, right? We've created this baby and we want to make sure that it gets the best possible life. But sometimes it, a business is not going to work and you have to go, you can't just keep throwing more um, good money after bad. You've got to be objective and go, hey, can we pivot to make this work? And if we can't pivot to make it work, is it actually time to say this isn't going to work? And there's nothing wrong with failure, in my opinion, from my experience, as long as you take learnings from it. So, you know, in the times where you fail, the best thing you can do is not beat yourself up and go, gosh, how terrible am I? I'm useless. I'm never going to be a great business owner. Actually, that's interesting. Look what happened there when I did that. What did I, what could I do differently? What was the learnings I got from this? And be sure that you take that forward into the next business. And you look at some of our, you know, most um, well-known entrepreneurs, Richard Branson. I think, you know, he had lost um, and been bankrupt several times. Um, a lot of the big people that we put on pedestals have actually had their failures and failures is not a bad thing but sometimes we're so caught up in the weeds and trying to kind of you know fight through them and make sure it's all okay that we can't see what's really happening and so I think it's important that we do ask for that outside help and make sure we get the support that we need and don't be afraid to sometimes just call it and say this isn't going to work right so when things are not going right in business yep. whom should be should the entrepreneur turn to. I'm asking from your example. You see, you once upon a time, you had everything. Yep. Then you lost your business through receivership. Yep. And then you still worked on, you lost your uh, your brother, your mother, and then even your car, your house, everything. And then you rebuilt everything. Yep. As an entrepreneur, who does, who do they go to if there is something which is happening difficult in their lives? How do they go about? Because once you are at the top, you are also lonely at the top. Yeah. You have very few people to turn to. What would you uh, tell them that there are avenues or other people available for them when things are not going correctly or well in their lives? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I would say from my experience is family and friends are not the right place to go to because family and friends, they love you. They want to help you. They're going to keep encouraging you, not necessarily in the right way. So you want somebody who's actually had the experience, somebody who knows what you're going through. And there's a number of different avenues for that. I think the first is there are some amazing peer groups out there. You've got things like the Entrepreneurs Organization. We've got a thing called Connector over here in New Zealand. We've got all these different groups of peer groups where you can actually go and you can share very openly what's going on in your business with people who are only sharing from their own experience. They're not telling you what to do, but they're saying, yes, you know what? I've been through that too. And when I went through that, this is what I actually did. So having that peer group thing is really, really good. If you can't find a peer group, then having an external advisor, you know, a business, it could be an advisory board, number, a mentor, somebody who's kind of been there and done that and can actually, again, share with you their experiences. Um, and then and the third place is, you know, to actually get yourself a business coach or a, um, somebody who can actually talk you through it in a really objective way. 
we've got to remove the emotion. We've got to remove um, that sort of, oh, but this is my baby. I can't let go of it. We've got to remove the fear and go, actually, let's look at what's really going on because, hey, look, sometimes these things are salvageable. You know, not every business has to end in failure, but sometimes we just leave it too late. And it's usually when we leave it too late when the, when the bad things happen. So get somebody in when you're starting to feel a bit of the speed wobbles. If you're monitoring your, your scorecard and your results every week, as soon as you start to see a pattern emerging, ask for some help. Get somebody to have a look at it and say, hey, what, what's really going on here? What do I need to do? Have a sounding board, somebody who is completely external, who's got no emotional attachment to the outcome. Right, right. Now, there is something, you know, uh, you are a professional EOS implementer. Uh, yes. What is that? The, the entrepreneurial operating system, if I understand it. Yes. What exactly is that and how can, you know, on the, that be used in businesses, especially for entrepreneurs? Sure. So as you said, it is the entrepreneurial operating system. And it is effectively a model and a set of tools and a framework that brings some real clarity to the business in terms of what they're trying to achieve with their vision, in terms of how they keep things on track with their tractions, the discipline, accountability, and that building a healthy team that can actually execute on it. And it is designed to put a little bit of, of structure and framework around the business. So not too much, because we don't want to take away the entrepreneurial spirit or, or lose that entrepreneurial um, drive that people have, but we need to make sure that we're keeping a really tight track on certain things. So we want to be really clear on what our vision is and, and make sure everybody understands what that is. We want to make sure we've got the right people doing the right jobs, the right people, right seats. We want to make sure we're measuring the right things. So the data, are we actually looking at data that can help us make the right decisions? We want to make sure that we are dealing with issues as they arise. How do we make sure we find out what the issues are and really deal with them at the root cause? We want to make sure we've got our processes sorted. So how do we make sure that our core processes are, are documented and followed by all? And finally, we want to have traction in terms of making sure we've got a real laser sharp focus on the things that are important. And we're meeting on a regular basis to actually deal with these things as they arise. And so the entrepreneurial operating system is literally this thing that works on those six key components and says, here are some tools that you can use, very, very simplistic tools that you can start implementing into your business that will make sure you keep all of those six things on track and you strengthen them over time so you get a much stronger business. That's okay, what so, an entrepreneur operating right. system is. is. Is it some sort of a software or is it is it implementable or some sort of a coaching sort of a thing which is yeah. which can be implemented remotely? Yeah, no, so there, I mean, there, there is some software out there to help you manage it, but the actual model, the framework and the tools is something that a, a guy called Gina Wickman invented probably about 20 odd years ago now. Um, and it is just literally, it's taken all of the great stuff. There's nothing magic in there. It's all the great stuff that, you know, Jim Collins talks about in his Good to Great book. The stuff that Michael Gerber talks about in the E-Myth Revisited. The stuff that Patrick Lencioni talks about in terms of, you know, healthy teams and how we actually execute on things. And he's just taken components of that and put it together into a framework that you can implement yourself or you can do it with an implementer like myself. We don't mind. We don't actually care too much as long as you do it because you need to put something in place to actually strengthen your business. And so, yeah, that is a framework. There is some software to support it if you want to. But I've got clients who use spreadsheets and Word documents. It doesn't need to be fancy. What we need is some structure around it to make sure that we're actually keeping track of the right things that we're, we're you know, let's say, strengthening those six key components to ensure that we have a solid, strong, sustainable, and most importantly, enjoyable business. Right, Deborah. So how, how can people connect with you so that they can engage with you professionally, know more about how you do things, 
and also learn from you. So how do people do that, especially entrepreneurs who want to take, you know, your professional help professionally? Sure. Um, so there's a couple of ways that you can do that. If you go to um, BioLink, Deborah Chantry Taylor, I'll, I'll send you the actual link. I the exact link is. There's actually a list of a whole bunch of things I have there as tools to help people. So some free tools you can download. There is um, access to my YouTube channel where I've got videos and things they can look at. They can go to my LinkedIn profile. We've, we run some some free sessions every month. My colleagues and I, because there's a few of us here in New Zealand, so Adam, Vijay and myself actually run these 90-minute webinars where we actually teach you all the EOS tools. So one of our values at EOS is help first. And for us, we really want to help people to either self-implement and if they want our help to implement then sure we'll help them but we will actually give them the tools to do that themselves right and about your podcast you are also a podcast host. oh yes (laughs) i always forget about that that's a great resource for people yeah, it is. You're right, actually. Thank you. Yeah, so I have a podcast called Better Business, Better Life. It's all driven from my passion to help entrepreneurs live a better life. And I invite guests, again, from all around the world, but a lot from Australia and New Zealand, to actually talk about their real life experiences. So I don't want a theoretical program. It's like, tell me, share with me your real life experiences, share your tips and your tools, share the things that people can actually go away and start using immediately in their business. So every guest that comes on gives us three tips or tools that you can actually implement in the business straight away. And there's some fascinating stories shared on there. Like we had one guy who um, talked about, you know, how do you let people go if the family member's not working out, if the friend's not working out, if, the, if whatever it is, how do you actually let them go? And he gives you his, his, how he does that in his business, which is just great, a great resource. Right. Now, one last question to you, Deborah. Yes. Yeah. What you want to do is to inspire people to chase their dreams, choose their attitude, adjust their mindset, and get the right inspiration and support to build a life that they love through building a better business. Yes. There are a huge number of women entrepreneurs. Yep. Some, some own family businesses. But the fact is that challenges are there in everybody's life. And especially if it's a women entrepreneur, then their challenges are a bit diff- different. They have to, you know, work things. So like you were, you're suddenly you were all alone without... Yes. Too much of support and you lost everything yep. after seeing life from so close deborah what would you tell women entrepreneurs who are you know potential women who are wanting to walk that road of entrepreneurship with the great mm-hmm. resignation and all these things going on people want to lead a life a happy life not just for themselves but also for the loved ones that they want to spend so uh, time with mm-hmm. what would you like to tell the potential women entrepreneurs and the ones who are already into business about fear of failure, about life, about living a good life. So I, I think that for me, the, one of the biggest things that I has kept me going, because I've been through quite a bit myself, is being really, really clear on your why, understanding why you do it, understanding, you know, what it is and, and asking for help. I think that's probably been the biggest challenge for me. I think as women, we're nervous that if we ask for help, we'd be seen as weak. But I, I can hand on heart say that, you know, when you actually ask for help, you imagine how do you feel yourself when you help people? How do you feel? Right. Are you, you feel, you feel me? great. Yeah, I'm asking you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If, we yeah, do. Yeah. 
we love to help people, right? And so, so we see asking for help as being a bit of a failure. But in actual fact, the way I now reposition it is I say, actually, I'm allowing that person to feel good by helping me. So why would I stop them from feeling good? Because they can help me. They'll feel good. I'll feel a whole lot better. And I'll get the help that I need. So I, I think feel, often... in, fact, in fact, sorry, I feel human. If yes. I'm of no use, what's the offer to another human being? Why, why would I exist? Yeah. So I think as particularly as women, we've got to get over that. We have this imposter syndrome. We think that we can't do it. Um, we have to just sort of go, hey, surround yourself with good people. There are so many good people out there who would love to help you and just ask them for help. Um, they will be more than willing to do it. They will get to feel really good about it. You'll get the help that you need and just don't lose your you know your sense of purpose why do you exist what are you doing this for so when you have your call them failures call them learnings call them whatever you want to do just keep cooking back into that because at the end of the day it is possible to be doing what you love with people you love making a huge difference in the world being compensated appropriately so being paid what you're worth and having time to pursue other passions and that's what I teach people about is how do you live that kind of life Right. And what about you? Where, after achieving so much uh, uh, and doing so much, where do you want to grow from, go from from here? Yeah, so I mean, I, I've always got several ideas on the go. I'm an entrepreneur after all, but um, so my, I love my EOS coaching practice. I do a lot of work with that, and I'm really enjoying that. I love the work that I do with family businesses. I've got a couple of projects on the go that I really want to get underway probably next year. I want to build um, a, a large kind of event center that is designed to support businesses um, in terms of being having places to meet, places to strategize, do product launches. And then I want to open up a retreat in um, the countryside of New Zealand over in Hawke's Bay, where we can actually host people in a beautiful environment where they can come again away with their team and spend time working on their business on themselves and and just help you know helping them to enjoy a better life so I've got bigger plans than just the coaching stuff that I do and there's some other things bubbling away that I'm sure will happen as well so it's all for me it's all about building communities helping people to get to where they want to get to and most importantly our life is too short so go out there and do what you love please that's what I want people to do (laughs) go out there and do what you love. Thank you. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Deborah, for coming on to the show. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.